Hello, thank you for clicking play. If you're passionate about supporting small business, small creators and are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you considered supporting me and the show via Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes where you can join us from as little as £3.50 a month. You'll be supporting the making of the show, enable me to keep the show ad free, get behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Just click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, on with the show. Hello, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Independent Thinking, the podcast exploring a new era for the high street. We'll be celebrating those who are doing wonderful, creative things under the most difficult of circumstances. We'll be going behind the scenes of businesses and shops you love that you look forward to visiting and that add joy to your high street. To kick us off though, I thought I'd do something a little different to my other episodes, tell you a little bit about myself and explore my own experiences of retail. And who better to do this with than my very own sister to explore this trip down memory lane. Welcome to the podcast, Eve. Hi, Alexandra. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. So lovely to have you. Thank you for indulging me and for joining me on a a trip down memory lane, like I say, sharing some anecdotes and to give some context as to why I started this whole thing. Yeah, can't wait to share some family stories. They're always fun to talk about. Okay, so before we start sharing some stories, though, I did have some questions for you, uh, just to sort of maybe think about your taste in retail and get people to know you a little bit better. So I thought some rapid fire questions with one answer or maybe a short answer. Would you be up for that? Yes. It's like be a psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's not like a raw lab test. Don't worry. We are not going to examine the results afterwards. Am I going to reveal my inner secrets? (laughs) (laughs) So first question then, um, if I was to give you any amount of money, uh, what shop would you open on the high street? It would be, I think, a perfume shop or a something to do with um floristry something to do with scent big fan a huge fan of of unusual scents and things and it would have like a chamber there's one in Paris that has a chamber you go in and you can smell everything that would be amazing I'd love that Ah, okay so like a floristry perfume shop combined mm. you know there's an opening on the high street yeah right I think, you know, maybe someone like that okay Second question would be uh, in your travels, what's been your favourite place to do independent shopping in the world, obviously aside from Scotland? Do you know, I'd probably say London. Um, I, I feel like London was the first place that sprang, springs to mind now. Um, or somewhere like somewhere like Paris, I think, where when I went when I was 16 and I was so impacted by by how beautifully things were laid out and how everything was displayed. I just thought it was beautiful. So I think closer to home, I'd go London just because it's it's got a really great vibe, I think, particularly in very distinctive areas. It feels quite different in different areas. Um, and Carnaby Street's always a bit of a... Yeah. It's, come, it's obviously yeah. become a lot more commercial now, but it's still quite a joy to walk down, particularly at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. So my final question, I suppose, is a bit of a curveball and naming no names. What's your worst customer pet service pet peeve? Oh, uh, it's really hard not to name names. I probably, it's going to be pretty, pretty dull. I think it's going to just be ignoring people. Do you know when you're, um, I think ignoring mm-hmm. people is even worse than an overly attentive service. I think just being pretty nonplussed and yeah, I think you need to be receptive and ready to engage with customers. So when when you're when I'm in a shop and they don't really want to chat or they don't reach out to you or they don't even speak to you when you're buying something, um, yeah, that's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, can I tell you mine? 
uh, yeah. naming no names. Um, but I hate when people judge you for how you how you look into how much you might need to spend. So naming yes. no names. Oh my god! Yes. And they say, are you looking for something? And I said, yes, I'm looking for a present for my friend. Uh, and she gave me a look up and down and said, I think the shelf is more for you. Um, <gasps> and I remember thinking, no, you don't know who I am. <laughs> you don't. I mean, she was right, but also <laughs> it wasn't like, <laughs> I, I, got really, I, got really, I got really offended by that because I thought, you know, you don't, yeah. you shouldn't judge people on how they look uh, and how they dress you know uh so yeah so that's my pet peeve and it happens maybe sometimes in higher end shops I think which I I understand but also I think it, it was it didn't make me feel particularly good as a customer and I never went back yeah damn straight I mean I would I think that's a firing I mean I would just fire them straight on the spot that's it they're out <laughs> yes, you're fired you're fired yeah, okay uh, Okay, so we've got a lot more, more of an insight into you there, I think. that uh, Yeah, uh, sort of very interesting sort of London, Paris. You seem to be sort of interested in France as well. I think they just really know how to treat customers really well. I found that in, I mean, listeners, this is going to make me sound like I'm some international jet setter. I am not. But um, whenever I've been um, to the continent, to uh, Europe, I, I just feel like they treat you like you're often like a long lost friend. Like they sort of can't, can't do enough for you. Actually... I find America like that as well. Like they kind of they've a really invest in you as a customer and will really take the time. Um, I mean, I don't know what I mean. I, I was gonna, I was going to say I don't know what it's like at places like Target, of course, because you know obviously I, I only shopped at high end at Saks Fifth <laughs> Avenue. But uh, <laughs> I remember this guy. It was a um, Aqua de Parma salesman, and he like tried like about six different scents. I had like different parts of my arm, and it was like in sacks. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And it was great. It was yeah. It just I think you just it's all about being there for the customer and giving them a cracking experience, really, isn't it? We thought we'd start by going through some of the businesses that we've been involved with uh, in the family and formed quite an important part of our childhood. And when we were going through this, when we're doing some preparation, because listeners, this all sounds off the cuff, but believe me, it's uh, it's not. And we were going through the businesses that we were uh, planning on talking about. And the first one, I mean, my first memory goes way back to when I was about four uh, or five. And that was the dolls shop in 1991, um, back in Perth, back in the early 90s. And if we take you listeners on a journey, we'll go all the way back to a, a land that taste forgot. And it involved, <laughs> it involved porcelain dolls and Eve do you remember I mean there's so many stories we could tell I mean there's plenty that probably are harrowing too harrowing to make it to the airwaves but um <laughs> we do have a lot of stories yeah it's uh it was interesting because I think I suppose maybe that's the nature of the type of shop that it was I mean dolls um at shops and those kinds of ones that evoke childhood I suppose people like have a kind of magical place in people's hearts and so in a way it was kind of amazing to um you know be part of that and work in my parents shop um often at the weekend or come down after school um and people knew who you were because you were the you know the daughter of the woman or you know uh, the man that ran the doll's house shop so that was in itself is quite nice but in a way, though, it kind of, there was quite a lot of interesting customers, shall we put it. I think it seemed to, it, I don't know if it's still the case, but 
I think back in the day, there was a lot of people who were very into dolls, particularly. And so they were kind of a, an obsessive bunch. Um, but it, it was interesting. It was an interesting time. Yeah. Very, and same with the dolls' houses as well. Oh, yeah, because people would... People would you know, wait on waiting lists or find the exact replica of a specific cake to be the centrepiece for this, you know, banquet scene, you know, that they've been planning for a while. And it was a really, Mm. people put so much time into it. They picked out light fittings and um, wallpapers. And of course, it all had to be scaled. So it was all, people Mm. really took it you know to, to um well I suppose to take it to heart I was going to say they really invested in it in every way possible mm-hmm. and, and actually yeah. um, in the preparation for the shop I, I mean I'm just thinking about when well, we've got plenty of tales about being in the shop itself and I know that I always asked to be on the till and put stuff through and make the beep noises that obviously we didn't we didn't have a checkout you know it was a tiny shop I, I did insist <laughs> on making the beep noises to put through the things and uh, but I remember us going to the trade fairs a big a big part of that it formed our, our holidays really it kind of that's how we, we planned our holidays around the trade fairs um and for those who, who are listening who don't who haven't maybe got that experience or have never been I mean a lot of people have never been to a trade fair it's certainly certainly this one it was forecasting all the possible trends for the next year and it was quite an exciting space to be in at that as a child but obviously it's a very business space so you're it's kind of like mm-hmm. being surrounded by toys like water water everywhere not a drop to drink you couldn't play with any of the toys but it was sort of middle-aged <laughs> men middle-aged salesmen all playing with the toys and like like see what they did but I remember even mm-hmm. there was a there was a stand that had um well there's a stand that sold jigsaw puzzles in the most macabre way because it had a a mannequin it folded over or sort of slumped over a, a table surrounded by fake blood um to to advertise a, a murder mystery jigsaw which i mean if nothing I mean, this memorable is in your mind this is stuck in your mind obviously <laughs> i have erased it out of my mind i don't remember that i do remember like getting lots of free samples though which is always really quite a lot of fun and I think that one of the the funny things um about working in the shop as well was that a lot of people just assumed that you had the most amazing toy collection and I remember quite a lot of um people who came in and saw me working they were like oh you must have a most amazing dolls you must have the most amazing teddies uh and dolls house and your your room must be packed with all this stuff and I remember saying to them no not at all because like everything that could be sold was sold in the shop so often we used to get the uh the seconds of uh teddies you know <laughs> that they couldn't sell or you know and in a way i've heard this about people who work in factories that produce sweets and things like you start not to necessarily want to consume the produce that you're that you're making or involved with so after a while you're sort of like if i see another doll i think i'll probably have to go into a dark room do you know what i mean so <laughs> i mean because people find them terrifying enough as it is do you know what i mean like I don't want to yeah because I think what I remember certainly a lot of a a lot of well we never had a Stife we had we sold them Stife uh, teddy bears which were prized you know there were and there still are like market leaders in that in that toy area but the ones we had well they certainly Mm. had wobbly heads didn't they they sort of like had things maybe limbs missing yeah Uh, maybe should need a trip to the toy factory certainly nothing that we could resell now for any value on eBay is basically what we're seeing whereas if not (laughs) <laughs> we're not we're not where's the pity do you know what I mean 
never mind. But yeah, but I think it's funny because so much of your childhood was spending your time in the shop or being part of the shop. So it did inform, as you say, like as part of the trade fairs, as well as being in the shop, quite a lot of your childhood was spent in these spaces and it just became part of normal everyday family life. That's that's kind of what you did. And and when it came to those pinch points, like at Christmas time, that was really the centre of all the family business, really, which was, you know, just trying to get as much, you know, as many, make as many dolls houses for the 24th of December, really, was was the kind of the main aim. And it became quite a, yeah, it was, it was quite a, it was quite a tense time, but also exciting as well, I think, yeah. uh, she says hastily. <laughs> yeah, because the family's listening. Um, but I remember that people used to always flock to see the window as well, like, because mum had put in like a really really went to town on the Christmas windows and it was quite a quite a big deal so it was it was a a, a time mm-hmm. that was and it still is you know it's a, a lot of retailers put well for a lot of I'm just thinking also it's also like theatre as well this is the, the money-making time you know really put their all into all this planning goes into it and yeah I think as children growing up around that you're very aware of that well not, I don't want to say pressure on them, but I think as a business owner, you do have to work really hard mm. um, around mm. that special time as well. Yeah. So it was, but also I think it, it instilled mm. in us a real sense of how to treat customers and how to, um, how, how to react to people when they're like, how you, I suppose, which really, has really served us well in, in our other shops that we've worked in since, because I guess yeah, since so, then, yeah. We've we've had well we will go through chronologically some of the shops that we've worked in as as uh, or, or ones that have been around um, and our family have, have run as children but we've both worked in shops well mine for a very short time I was I certainly earned my money more as a waitress than I did as a in retail um, but you you were well you were at uh, Woolies Woolworths before sadly RIP yeah I was really um sort of sort of thrust into the in the retail environment when I was about 17 I was a Saturday girl at Woolies um and I really enjoyed it that time actually at the, in a small place like Perth um having a sort of a, a place where you could buy all your CDs and sweets and everything in one place it, it was kind of like the place to be kind of hanging about so but also, that was where but also I like first a, started a pedal bin. you could buy a pe- pick up a pick up the step CD pick up a pedal <laughs> bin pick up some pick and mix do you know what I mean it was just like yeah, one something for everyone exactly why did they go out of business yeah. I'll never know <laughs> and I <laughs> I started as a Saturday girl and that was just for Christmas and then I remember very interestingly that um, it was sort of a funny time because up until Christmas it was just this constant kind of like stream of people and they used to do evenings for people who were like friends of the shop and you got vouchers to spend and so people would come in you know after hours to spend quite a lot of money with their trolleys and everything so they would buy all that stuff on the 23rd 24th of December and then of course we were closed Christmas day but then because you used to get time and a half for Boxing Day I would always work Boxing Day as well so in you went and you saw the same people coming back in on the 26th to return the stuff that they had previously <laughs> sort of bought on the 23rd and it was just this kind of constant churn of things you know so but after that um, I was kept on and uh, I was sort of it really punctuated my weekends for like a couple of years I was working um, like in the shop at the weekend and it was such a it was such a fun team and I've got really good fond memories of Willie's they treated their staff really well and I uh, yeah I I really and they kept on to staff as well which was good so yeah so I, I have the uniform though was polyester teal and I just oh, I'm, wow. I'm so glad I never have to wear that again teal though I mean you do suit a blue <laughs> I do I mean it does go with my hair but I mean 
I think the idea of wearing a, you know, mid-lens pencil skirt when you're sort of 17 oh just God. makes you, I mean, even, I mean, now I'd be delighted to wear it, but probably, but then uh, I was sort of like die of shame. Uh, hopefully nobody would see me. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I found that that was like an interesting experience in retail. But as you say, it gave you a lot of experience working in a very busy retail environment at Christmas. And I think though, we've probably been prepped for that in our time in the shop, probably in our parents' yeah, shop as well. So definitely. it was never, you know, it was it was never too stressful, but yeah. But your experience, I think, is on the other side, isn't it? With a, a different kind of re- a Christmas job in retail, everyone's got experience of that. I think at some point. Though, yeah, probably. yeah. I think everyone's got a job that they would rather forget for the rest of their lives. I, again, I will not name names, but um, yeah, I think the words well, I remember used to say to Eve, like, "All they shout is replen, replen, replen," which. For again, for those not in, in retail, just that replenishment is what it means. Just keep the stock on that bloody shelves. And uh, yeah, it was high stress. It was like four weeks. The manager was terrifying. She was absolutely terrifying. And I remember my lasting memory of that when she said, replen, replen. Because for me, there was something around, I didn't want it to look like Although this was a, I was under no illusions. This was a mass market shop. This was a massive brand, but I didn't want the customers to feel like their bag was one of thousands in the in the stockroom. So I would bring down, you know, like a handful at a time. And then she turned to me, being like, "What are you doing?" And I remember being like, "Well, I just think it devalues the product if we have boxes of bags. You know, I think we should. <laughs> I think we should have. You know, these are lovely clutch bags. You know." And she, uh, well, she doesn't have any of it. She know, she was just like, no, bring down the massive boxes. So uh, I, did, I did, I did as I was told because I wanted that Christmas bonus. Um, never did get that money off. Mm-hmm. Ne- you know, I never did get the money off the. That's fine. Not better. Not better at all. But yes, that that intense tr- trading period, and again, working on Boxing Day, working on Christmas Eve, you know, all the hours putting in, and again, you learn all the tricks of the trade, don't you? Because you learn. I don't know if you had this in Woolworths, but the the codes that you would then you, you'd have to mark everything with a pen and listeners if you go into a, some, a shop on christmas eve and you see red dots beside i don't know if they still do this but they used to do this beside the is this a trade secret can i say this i'm gonna say it anyway beside the the barcodes they were all the things that were going to be marked down to 70 percent off so it was like you're constantly already thinking about the sales season when you're in the middle of the busiest period so yeah very uh, very uh uh, mixed memories but we also had that other shop we had growing up was um was an antique shop so we kind of pivoted I think as a family to still in the the world of gifts uh very 90s yes uh, and antiques mm. and we won't name mm. the venue but a quite an unusual quite an unusual historic building we were working from Yes, yeah, it was. And it was it was a kind of a spooky place. It was very haunted. And in fact, I think it might have been Perth's most haunted building. Um, and opening a shop there, it was perhaps quite an interesting experience. And there certainly was activity, not to, you know, whether or not you're a, a person who believes in ghosts or not, after working in that building, you certainly would be convinced that there was certainly something 
there was something out there, kids. There was something out there. Um, so it was... Uh, were things moving? Were, was stock moving? Yeah, stuff would stuff would disappear off the shelf. And I don't mean that in the it's coming off the shelves type of way. Um, you would have things, you would come into a room. Get it while it's hot. Yeah, st- stuff would be, you come into the room and there would be stuff on the floor. There would be some things would be moved on the shelves. And you know that nobody had been in the previous day. So you knew that there had to have been some kind of, you know, supernatural activity, which, you know keeps you on your toes when you're an employee you know so that was quite fun um so yeah but it was quite interesting like antiques <laughs> well. take interesting and antiques brings another kind of set of customers uh, in i think which is quite interesting because you've got a lot of browsing a lot of browsing with antiques but you've also got a lot of dealers that come in so you know you never know who's going to be coming in and you know there's a lot of haggling it's a different kind of environment in terms of retail isn't it it's, it's not there's a lot of different things to be expected from antiques shops that isn't from other retailers yeah, and i think it asks a lot more of the retailers well you have to really know your your stuff i mean it, it, people often set up independent shops and they, they set up their own businesses because they're passionate about something eh? and so they will naturally know something but if we were I remember I was stepping in for I think mum had just put, went out to go and put some money in the car and this woman you know sensing a 13 year old girl maybe thinking or I think I was younger I must have been about 10 and thinking do you know what I think I might bag myself a bargain here this woman she doesn't know what she's talking about maybe I could haggle down and I remember selling my first <laughs> thing to her it was, I think it was a table or something eh, with like barley sugar legs and um yeah and and, and uh, they really do know what they like you say dealers are they're not they're not messing around you know they 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 know their stuff they've done their research no. and they will well oh my god I just got a flashback to somebody haggling me down to five pence for my little figurines at a book car boot sale as well so I mean listeners I need to learn some better haggling oh skills god, yeah. I think I need to learn some better negotiation skills <laughs> the thing with haggling is I think like we say that's sort of unique to that world of antiques and whilst apparently you can haggle in every shop and apparently Martin's money tip says you can but um it definitely feels more alien in say like a boots you know or you know or other other high street other chemists are available but I think some worlds do it more than others and it got me really interested I mean that reminds me of why I became so interested in retail particularly because I was so fascinated by retail behaviors. I remember when I was at school, I always wanted to be a business psychologist and understand why shops are laid out the way they are or you know why a supermarket smells of bread even though it's they haven't baked it in the past, you know, 2 hours. Um and why things are positioned the right the way they are. So yeah, I think it's always about just it's thinking about different business personalities really and how retail can evolve to meet different markets isn't it Mm. and about I suppose the customers and how different they are so I mean if you think about our sort of different experiences or different shops they each have a kind of different customer base and it really was serving a particular kind of niche um, and, and that also brought in a niche customer and I think that what sort of individual and independent retailers do so well is be able to to cater for that market and and do it in a very kind of individual way which is exactly who their customer are I think which is really why it's sort of I can see why the high street is kind of starting to thrive again because people want that more individualized uh, experience yeah and I think they want it also I think at a time when we are 
under a lot of pressure you know local businesses under a lot of pressure I think they want to know where exactly where there's money their money is going and I think there's a feeling of feeling mm-hmm. invested in a company as a customer now in a local company to say actually mm-hmm. you know following you on social media I know the things that you we've pivoted evolved during this time and actually do you know what I want to I want to shop with you because I think you're doing great stuff whereas mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it you feel less well you can have loyalty to bigger brands of course but there's a less you don't see had such an accountability to the brand as in like you don't feel like you know exactly where your your money's going whereas you know it's lovely when you see independence mm. and you think do you know what actually I've seen you grow I've seen you develop into like a small mm. online offer or a small pop-up and then you've gone on to run a shop and now you've got another uh, another um, employee and all of that and it's just it's just nice to be part of and I think mm. sharing our stories as well shows mm. you what impact local business has on the people who, whose families who actually are in these businesses and how it continues to have <laughs> lasting effects on us yeah. as a as people it does it does. <laughs> it does and I think that it makes you appreciate I think when you see stuff back of house and I think that's the same in any sector that you've worked in when you know the stories back of house you know the kind of sacrifices families make and people make to sort of bring products to to you then I think it does give you a kind of different insight and it just makes you so um so much admiration I think for that and you know especially it's at times when it's most difficult like now um, but other times as you say when retail is um you know, very busy, like at Christmas time or Easter time or summertime, like certain in certain areas, it just makes you all more appreciative of what they what they actually have to do to get the products to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Eve. Like it's been a it's been a lovely little trip down memory lane. And I'm gonna end the podcast by asking you what I'm gonna ask all our podcast guests and um, what is your favorite independent business what is is there somebody on your high street that makes your day it could be anything uh, yeah there's a really lovely uh, clothes shop uh, in uh, where I live in a place a very small coastal village in northeast of England called Taya Ruby and Frank uh, in Tynemouth um, and they are really great clothes shop um they really stock really lovely really lovely clothes they're all affordable they're all sustainable um and they always have a really lovely service they remember you when you come in um and yeah i've i've and but the stuff they sell is quality um and yeah they're they're just a really lovely local brand that are doing as much as they can to to help the local area so yeah if you uh, go on to uh, ruby and frank in timeth you'll definitely see some lovely clothes well thank you for that we will pop a little link to uh, ruby and frank in the show notes well thank you again for joining me Eve and listeners I hope you've enjoyed our little trip down memory lane or indulging us and it's piqued your interest to find out more about local business in your area look forward to seeing you soon bye bye Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you want to support me to continue to make the show, I would love it if you became a patron by clicking the link in the show notes. From as little as the price of a coffee a month, you receive behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Click the link in the show notes to find out more or head to patreon.com slash independent thinking. Bye for now.